welcome to Terragard, a world of adventure. Atos, come and face me! Of heroes. Elroy! Jump! Of battle. Welcome to Terragard Tales, Season 1, The Lunar Sundering, The Grummerand, Part 3, written and narrated by D.S. Tierney, previously on The Grummerand. Dreaming of his childhood within the catacombs, Scarab awakens to find himself sharing a cell with an archipelagan named Tarkoon. Kingston appears with the executed remains of several of Scarab's friends and the taunting promise that all the Falkieri will share the same fate, all except Scarab, who will remain in the cell, tortured, dying, until he gives up the location of the Grummerand. Alone again, Scarab finds a sigil and his means of escape. And now, part three of the Grummerand. Hand positions. North Meridian. Counter of the Lost. Draw a circle on the ground with Kayet's revolution. South Meridian. Into Jevra Deviation. The hole they dropped through closed, encasing them in darkness. This would not be a hindrance for Scarab, but he worried of the superstitious nature of the Archipelagan. Tarkoon. That was what he called himself, and it tickled a thread of memory. Why? For now, he could hope it was only a common name among their people. Do you know where we are? Yes. Now be quiet. Spirits grow angry when disturbed. By the Great Mother! There are ghosts down here! Scarab slumped against the wall as a sharp pain burrowed through his left wrist, the intensity of which blocked out the old man's mewling. The rough texture of stone helped him maintain a modicum of focus. It was familiar, like the warm embrace of an old friend, whispering from within limestone cracks. Scarab accepted the pain and relaxed the tension in his face. Slowly, he opened his eyes to see the dim, crimson glow throbbing below the leather cuff. The magic inhibitor was angry. That can't be right, the words mumbled through clenched teeth. What? What's not right? Waves of nausea and pain renewed their assault, but Scarab stood strong. Now was not the time to bend. The bracelet, it should not be attacking me. What I did with the sigil was blood magic. The Decrow don't recognize it. Shouldn't have prepared, unless... Unless? The old man asked. Someone is outwitting me. It was a bitter fruit to partake of, both having someone outthink him and having to admit the truth of it. Then let us turn the tables. If it were that easy... Scarab let out a scream as a particularly strong wave of pain burned through his arm. That thing on your wrist! Can I remove it? If you wish to kill me, 
Is there nothing we can do? The cuff requires contemplation, meditation to recenter the mind, but there's no time for that. It was an ingenious device, one that curtailed the use of magic and forced the bearer to self-pacify if they wanted the pain to end. Scarif understood the imminent need to move, those reticent to leave his effects behind. The fine coat with secrets stitched into every seam, the wooden box, his boots. So far, they had not taken anything he couldn't replace, but it irked him nonetheless. My hope is that we would have time before our escape was discovered, but that's a vain hope. The cuff will alert them, and it won't take long to discern where we've gone. We must move and maintain a brisk pace. How? The only thing I see is the glow from your wrist. I know these tunnels in a way no others do. I shall be our eyes and you our legs. Scarped waved his arm around until he found the torn rags of the old man's shirt and pulled him close. Draping an arm over Tarkoon, the Archipelagan shouldered the weight. Forward until I tell you and careful of debris on the floor. Scarab trailed his hand along the wall. Once he, Jacko, and Tori were taken, the others would have abandoned the original rally point. As long as these tunnels remained intact, Scarab could make it to the next point. That was no easy guarantee. The impact of Moonstone's decimating Salnorans reverberated even here. Upon reaching what his mental map told him was the T-junction... Tarkoon kept moving. Scarab's hand slipped from the wall for just a moment. In the nothingness, the weight of tension grew as the darkness played tricks, digging into his deepest fears, whispering what could be. Only a few seconds passed before his hand found the wall, but the damage was done. An infection of terror blossomed in his chest. What if this hallway stretches on forever? Tarkoon bemoaned. Or worse, the floor disappears into a pit with no bottom. Scarab wanted to answer him, alleviate his fears, but all sound had become reduced to a low buzz. Shooting pain spread into his chest as an angry swarm of bees tried to escape the confines of his skull. The sensation grew to a deafening crescendo. Popping in a moment of sublime agony. Scarab! His mother's voice echoed through the darkness. Scarab! Standing on a high balcony, Scarab looked down into a circular room. Gone was the pain and the archipelagan, both now afterthoughts to his curiosity. Torches burned bright, reflecting like diamonds off the rough slosh of water filling the room. A young boy stood in the center of the pool, shivering as he hugged himself tight. A woman in long gray robes stood at the edge, holding a wooden bucket and pair of tongs. I told you to drop your arms, she said. Yes, mother, the boy answered. Now, what is the third law of spiritus? I don't know. Dipping the tongs in the bucket, the woman pulled out a large black slug that writhed angrily. The boy cried, but she would not be moved by his tears. Without hesitation, she tossed the slug in the water, watching as it slithered toward the boy, who screamed as it latched onto his belly. It hurts! The third law of spiritus. Mother! He cried. 
She pulled another slug from the bucket. The, the, the third law is that spirits cannot possess the living, he stammered. Wrong. She threw the second slug in the water. This one latched onto his left forearm. The material is simple. I expected better from you. Mother! Mother, please, they're eating me! Yes, they are. Stiff-backed, she walked around the edge of the pool, looking at the boy as if he disgusted her more than the slugs in the bucket. First, they will exsanguinate you. Next will be your bone marrow. Finally, every last bit of moisture in your body. If enough of them are attached to you, you'll be alive throughout the entire process. Another slug went into the water. The third law of spiritus. Mother! 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 I'm not your mother, but if you keep yelling like that, I'm sure she'll find us along with the rest of the raven dwellers. What are you saying? Scarab struggled to blink against the weight of his eyelids. Sweat drenched his body, soaking through his clothing. The catacombs were normally cool, moist. Perhaps a thermal vent of magma broke through, superheating the air to uncomfortable levels. You've been calling for your mother! Unlikely, Scarab replied. She's been dead for ten years. Pulling away from the old man, Scarab pressed his face against the stone, hoping to pull even the smallest mote of chill from within. I need to remove my coat. I don't recall you wearing one. Tarkoon's hands patted at his back. You only have a shirt. Then help me take it off. Wouldn't suggest that. The chill on wet flesh will kill faster than any blade. Scarp ran both hands along the wall, horror cutting through the fog in his mind. Where are we? He did not recognize the pattern. It was not the T-junction they had been walking toward. Do you not know? The old man moaned. If you don't, how am I to know? Be quiet. The old man fell silent, leaving only the drip of condensation and the distant shuffling of feet. Tell me, Tarkoon, how many turns have we made? How many steps between? I, I, I don't know. Think, and be quick about the process. A, a left, a, a right, two rights, and then straight to here. Scarab's head pounded as he pieced together the journey. You said a right, and then two more. Three rights? I think just two. I need you to be sure. Shuffling steps grew near, and Scarab could see the faint outline of a woman her gown and hair flowing as she moved. The woman carried with her a bucket. The sight turned his spine to ice. She found us, Scarab said, grabbing Tarkoon's arm. We have to stay ahead of her. Who? The woman. Scarab believed he knew where they were, but ideas were becoming elusive, slipping through the cracks. A left at the next hall should lead them to... What? The outcome depended on the number of right turns they took while Scarab was hallucinating. Pulling the old man along, he found a door that splintered and fell inward as he pressed a palm against it. Tarkoon followed as they entered what Scarab remembered as a study. With the door gone, he felt around for a bookcase and yanked it across the entrance. Scarab's breath wheezed with the effort, but it would be enough to keep the woman out. It will be enough, he said aloud. 
What will be enough? Where are we? In the center of the room sat a small table meant for reading. Whoever used it last didn't do much to keep it tidy. Scarab fished through dusty scrolls and flaps of leather until he found what he sought. A glass globe of milky liquid that lit when shook. The soft white glow filled the room, shocking Tarkoon. Madness! Pure madness! No, just a combination of chemicals that light when shook. Scarab coughed, spots filling his eyes. The bracelet burned his arm, glowing brighter. Was it reacting to the orb? A small child brushed past him, giggling as it hid beneath the table. <laughs> Mother keeps asking me for the answer, the child said, pulling on Scarab's pants. What is the answer? What is it? Is this the place you are meeting your friends? No, but I need to get our bearings and camp with that woman coming after us. Mother wants her answer. Woman? There was no one there, Tarkoon protested. Not that I could see my own hand in front of my face. Tarkoon was either blind or naive. Scarab did not care which. What is the third law of Spiritus? The answer to the question felt important. What? I've never heard of- Yes, I need the answer or she'll hurt me. The boy's arm shot out from beneath the table. A black slug wrapped around tightening its grip. Scarab gasped and stepped back. <gasps> the glowing orb rolled off the table, shattering on the stone floor. Everything the liquid touched sizzled. The bookcase in front of the door shook and collapsed as the lower shelves dissolved. And behind the bookcase, waiting with a bucket of water, was the woman. Her face masked in darkness, she whispered, the third law of Spiritus. Scarab yelled as he surged forward, holding an arm across his face, planning to shove her aside. He plunged through her ethereal form and into the wall beyond. Tarkoon ran to him, and in the last moment of light took Scarab's arm, lifting him onto his feet. What in the great mother are you doing? Go, you fool! They needed distance from the woman's bucket of horrors, from the child wanting answers. Let the boy deal with it. Scarab paid his share long ago. At each intersection, Scarab searched for a thick wooden door with a ram's head knob. It was close. He knew it was, but couldn't say exactly where. Each time he imagined the map, the bracelet shocked his mind, shattering it. The door led down, and his people were down. They could get the bracelet off, could hide him from Yingsen, tell him the answer to the third law. He shuddered to think what the woman would do to them if he didn't have the answer. The sloshing of water kept close pace. Scarab almost wept as his hands brushed over the wooden splinters of a thick door and fell upon the cold iron of a ram's horn. Pulling with all of his strength, he failed to open it beyond a finger's width and felt a collapsed beam blocking the base of the door. Help me move this, Scarab said, panic threatening to overcome his senses. The old man grunted as together they shifted the beam. It dropped 
to the sound of cracking stone, and the pair coughed as dust kicked up by the impact blanketed them. Scarab now had enough room to squeeze through the opening, but on the other side he found the woman waiting for him, tongs resting in her bucket, eyes glowing red around the dark pits of her pupils. What is the third law of spiritus? Mother? Scarab could not believe it was her. Not in this place. Why have you taken her shape, vile spirit? Wrong answer. She snapped and shoved him. Scarab toppled backwards, hitting his head on curving stone steps. Each somersaulting tumble cracked something new, introducing levels of pain even the bracelet had not inflicted. Scarab landed face down, sliding with his arms spread eagle. As he exhaled, he spit a bloody tooth across the stone floor. Struggling to his knees, pain, both indescribable and fierce, touched every inch of his body. Then all at once it was gone. Scarab found himself in a finely appointed room with sunlight spilling across handcrafted, interlocking tiles. A warm breeze, carrying the scent of lilac and the fruity smell of blooming grapes, wafted through an open window, fluttering the thin curtain. Scarab walked to the window to find a cloudless sky and sun shining over a vast wine vineyard. Impossible. Gialfiard Vineyard was a place he lived in his youth. His mother married the owner. What was his name? Boy! The bellowing shout preceded the arrival of a girthy man who took little notice in how hard he opened the door. The rickety wooden thing added a new crack to the mud-plastered wall. Gregory, Scarab said with a snap of his fingers. Gregory was a wealthy landowner and winemaker who sampled far too many of his own wares. What did you call me? He licked his lips after the question, while blinking bloodshot, heavy-lidded eyes. Scarab recalled that Gregory always wore the same white cotton one-piece, with urine stains around the crotch and dark sweat stains under the pits from when he passed out in the sun. Sorry, sir. Scarab turned toward a mirror, expecting to find himself, but seeing a fifteen-year-old version. Where's your mother? Is she out giving readings to all the plagues? I don't know. You don't know what? Gregory walked forward and grabbed Scarab's face below the chin and squeezed. I don't know. Sure. The fool believed Mother married him out of desperation, that she needed him and his money. But their marriage rose from the same reason that Mother did anything, her cryptic quest to administer lessons to her child and prepare him for whatever future she envisioned. Often no guidance was given on what he needed to learn. It was up to him to find that out. Just as often, they moved on without him knowing if he learned anything. Leaving Gialfjard was one of those situations. You know what I know? Gregory dropped his hand onto Scarab's throat, pushing him back against the wall. I know I could snap you in half with just this one hand. You're a scrawny, sickly thing, and I don't believe I want to raise you 
if your mother's going to sleep with everything that moves. Scarp remembered Gregory's beatings well, the broken bones, the hanging on a precipice near death, but not this time. Defend yourself. Mother's voice, but she wasn't there. Scarp struck the underside of Gregory's arm, knocking it away from his throat, then put his foot between the man's legs and pushed. Drunk and out of shape, Gregory fell back, spitting up on himself as he landed. An amorphous glass statue sat on a side table, and Scarab picked it up. He straddled Gregory and beat him with the art until nothing recognizable remained. The buzzing sound returned to his ears, so sharp that he dropped the glass statue and tried to cover himself from the sound. Scarab opened his eyes as the sound ceased. A torch sat discarded on the catacomb floor. Beneath him was a man, but not Gregory, someone else. Their cloak was soaked with gore, but the stitched emblem of a warrior cultist stood out. To his right, the glass statue turned out to be a simple stone. Are you back? Tarkoon stood at the edge of the firelight. Two dead rock guts, throats torn open, sat at his feet, their eyes destined to gaze eternally at paintings made in their own blood. Scarab's journey had been fraught with danger while in the fever dream. It would appear I am. Our friends, did they find us, or did we stumble upon them? Scarab always assumed Gialfiard was meant to toughen him, teach him how to take a beating. Could it have been for this moment? Were Mother's visions this minute, this detailed that she would know a fever dream of a past conflict would save him now? Tarkoon! Scarab looked up to see the old man staring in concerned silence. It became evident what that concern was for. Beneath the blood caked across his hands and forearms, a throbbing red glow pulsated within his veins. The crimson snaked up both arms, and as he pulled the collar of his shirt down, he discovered the same map of vessels across his chest. It would seem time is limited, he said, realizing Yingsen was trying very hard to kill him. Perhaps it is time for you to rest. But the flicker of torchlight at the far end of the hallway made it clear they needed to move. And now... Extinguish that torch, Scarab commanded as he put his hand back on the wall. When he moved it, he glimpsed a crimson handprint left behind and wiped the blood staining his hands onto his shirt. No reason to make it easier for them to track him. The fever burned hot, but he would not allow himself to be taken again. The Archipelagan stomped the flame and shouldered Scarab's weight. They moved away from the light, struggling to increase the distance. They could count on a pause when the hunters came across the fallen, but their pursuit would redouble after. Scarab led them to a staircase, but the floor below was impassable, forcing them deeper than was wise. They entered into a dangerous place, where spirits of the dead intermingled with unspeakable horrors crawling up from the lost depths. Coming face to face with such a thing would prove their end, and without magic, that end was certain. 
but a passage existed that could take them back up, circumventing the collapsed tunnels. It sat hidden behind a thick stone wall covered in ivy that never withered. Scarab entered the chamber, shaking another globe left by the door. They would need to see to open the hidden door, and hope the light didn't attract Yingsen's hunters or something worse. Scarab studied the ivy wall, the wrong magic gestures in the wrong spots, and the plants would reach out to devour them. Did he have enough energy to accomplish this? How much could he give before the bracelet did its job? Tarkoon found a discarded staff and took a position at Scarab's back, watching the door. Scarab focused only on the wall and cleared his mind. Searching fragments of memory, he held both hands up. They shook and twitched despite his efforts to still them. The plants twitched in response. Hungry. Beneath the dusty sounds of their breath came the tickle of a whisper, almost hidden, but for the rhythmic tone it repeated. Scarab balled his fists and spun. A chanticar crept into the room, trying to put them to sleep with her repeated mantra. A fist to the mouth silenced the hunter. A second punch sent them reeling back into the darkness. But where was Tarkoon? Scarab needed to check the hallway. They must have gotten to him first, but the Chanticar's magic made the act of moving difficult. He forced a step, grunting with the effort, and then stopped. The icy tip of a steel blade pressed against his throat. The flare of a torch joined the light of the globe as several people entered through the door Scarab wanted to open. So much for going down in a fight, he scowled. Scarab? Lights above. You're the last person I expected to find down here. The voice was that of Kinnaman, one of his oldest and most trusted Falkieri. Scarab's strength fled, and he collapsed into his friend's arms. Hastily scrawled note below instructions. I thought I was doing the right thing when I created this spell. When I created all of the spells in this tome, I was wrong. The opportunity for malevolence is too great. I am sorry. I should destroy this, but I know I won't. M. Thank you for listening to Part 3 of The Grummerand. Please join us next time for Part 4. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a 5-star review and comment. For additional updates, follow our website at www.dstierney.com or on Twitter at dstierney1. If you'd like to help support and see the podcast grow, Consider joining the Terror Guard Tales community on patreon.com slash terrorguardtales. Terror Guard Tales, all characters, locations, stories, and content are copyright 2019 
and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.